In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks for joining us, and happy Friday, friends. Happy Friday. So enthusiastic, my God. Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And if I went on a friend date with Harrison Ford... I guess I'd, I, I mean, I'd probably take him to a national park or something. He doesn't seem like the Chipotle type, but maybe something fancier. I bet he could. Ch- yeah, I bet he could. Maybe we'll get a sandwich. Way. Maybe get a sandwich. A curry, maybe. Yeah. National park and a sandwich. There we go. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. And if I had a friend date with Harrison Ford, I would take him to a Star Wars marathon just to either A, see his head explode, or B, watch him sleep, take a nap. I like, think he'd punch you in it. the face, probably. <laughs> I mean, possibly punch me in the face. <laughs> But I, but I'm he, he's quick, but I'm I might be a little quicker, just getting out of the way. I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and if I had a friend date with Harrison Ford, I would go to Disney World because we would not have to wait in line for anything, and he probably is not scared of any of the rides. Like my dad is. No offense, dad. My dad is afraid of heights and roller coasters, so. We didn't always get to go on those when I was little. But dude um, flies planes, so I can't imagine. I mean, I gotta say, like he's the the rock and roller coaster is probably nothing to him. Like he probably falls asleep on the Space Mountain. Exactly. So no lines, all the rides. Put him in a mask if a crowd gets too crazy. You know, viral YouTube. It's great. Everything's great. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And hey, while you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could write a quick review about the show. By doing that, you'll help other fans find us. And as a bonus, we give you a special shout out. We also won't send Harrison Ford to your house to beat you up if you don't give us a review. So there we go. Again, try it out. Everybody wins. We get some good feedback. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at usatoday.com. Uh, here's the main topic. Here's the clip. The Yukon is a dangerous place. You never know what's coming. I came up here because I didn't want to be around anyone. And then I met Buck. How do you feel about an adventure? Beyond all maps. We could go, you and I, where no one's ever been before. See what's out there. That was a clip from Call of the Wild, the latest film based on a classic 1903 novel by Jack London. It stars Harrison Ford as John Thornton, a rugged outdoorsman in the Yukon who meets up with the CGI pup Buck, a St. Bernard Scotch Holly mix. This week, we are paying tribute to Harrison Ford, the one and only who many of us know for two very memorable roles, but... If you haven't heard, he also has had a pretty stellar career beyond that. So we're going to talk about all those things and why we love Harrison Ford. 
I feel like we can't have a Harrison Ford tribute without going right to Han Solo, which is one of obviously the bigger roles that he is known for. Let me start with Brian because he is the film guru here. We've talked a lot about Han Solo as a character and his impact, but as far as Harrison Ford, what makes him the ideal fit for that role? Because he's the everyman. Everything in Star Wars is just kind of, it's fantasy. It's Arthurian legend. There's so much kind of going on with lightsabers and empires and the Force and everything. And I think we we love Han Solo and, you know, Harrison Ford in that role because Ford is an everyman. Han Solo is the everyman. You know, he's the guy who's just kind of like, it's that person who's like put in the thick of it who has to like figure out a way out somehow you know, against the odds and somehow always keep doing it. I mean, I, that's that's kind of, that's the great thing about Han Solo is somehow, even though it looks like he's going to either get, you know, frozen in carbonite for the rest of his life or die in like countless space battles, he makes it out alive just through, you know, kind of sheer will and, and you know, gumption. Kelly, what about you? What do you think Harrison Ford brings to that role that has made it so iconic? I think everything that Brian said is true. You know, he's a great sort of audience surrogate to be introduced to the world of Star Wars through, like, you sort of think it's Luke, but then Luke has the powers. And so that's not the role that you sort of see the force through. You need the cynicism. You need the scully. And I think he was, like, the right guy for it at the right time. He has a great collaborator in George Lucas. So he capitalized on on Ford's smarm and charisma and the moment he was having in his career in the 70s and you know the fact that he was sort of the the prototypical attractive male for the time you know what I mean like every time period places different values on different parts of attraction and has different ways that celebrities become famous and beloved and Harrison Ford was the right look for the right time so there was just a series of very fortunate events that led to him landing that role and then nailing that role. And it went on to define his career without putting him in a box, which is a really hard thing to do, uh, especially for something as successful as Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Mark Hamill as one example where he kind of, it seems like it wasn't until he started doing the Joker stuff, but, you know, for a while he was just like Skywalker mm-hmm. and Harrison Ford did Star Wars, but then after that, he had still had a huge career doing action movies and stuff beyond that. So. But always playing the same sort of role, though. I mean, he, way, he didn't yeah. get pigeonholed, per se. But, I mean, you know, I think he brought a lot of himself into the roles he played. It was almost like he pigeonholed the roles and not himself, because they all kind of like, they all spoke to the same kind of guy. Most of them did. and then But they're all sort of different. He, you know, some movies were better than others. Even as the president on Air Force One or the many lawyers and, and stuff, he had that same kind of like everyman thing to him. And the thing that jumps out, too, with him being Han Solo specifically, as we talked about, you know, the cynicism, him being an everyman. I also think he carried himself confidently in a way that really fit that role, you know, and there are so many memorable scenes of just giving a look or the way he presented himself where it was just so much confidence. He didn't have all these powers, so he had to make up for it in other ways, and that was one of his ways to do it, just being very confident and cocky in who he was. Uh, Kelly, do you have a favorite Han performance from Harrison Ford? I'm partial to Empire Strikes Back, which is cliche, but whatever, because I like the Han and Leia love story. I like I Love You, I Know. It's very iconic 
in the Star Wars series and in my personal life. So, um, you know, I, I like when he dusts off some of the gruff and stops being such a nerf herder. <laughs> Brian, what's your favorite Han performance? Through I mean, Empire, he has a lot of a lot of serious moments. There's like the love stuff, like Kelly said, but and also kind of like, you know, the fact that he's about, you know, he gets betrayed. It's not certain death, but like he knows he's going to end up in Jabba's, you know, palace somewhere and probably going to die. There's a lot of gravitas to that. You know, then we, we see more gravitas later, especially kind of in Force Awakens. But I kind of, I kind of like the first one because we see him in the cantina and, you know, he he seems likable, but you you know you can't get a read on the guy, and then so he is. You really see his character kind of th- come through as like he's like the skeptical guy, is like the force, you know, whatever. And then you know he starts seeing more and more and more, and then he sees like a, a battle station the size of a planet. He's just like, I need to get out of here, you know, there's a bounty on my head. But he does come back and like you know help out and everything. So I think. There's a lot more to his character about where he goes from, like, the skeptical rogue to the reluctant hero. Yeah. I like the first movie, too. I kind of do like um, Force Awakens also. I like the fact that he's kind of coming back and he's older. He's gone back to what he was. Exactly. And he's realizing, like, how, you know, a lot of the mistakes he made and a lot of his personality and the decisions he made weren't the best coming to a realization of that and trying to correct and again it's almost like another redemption arc kind of thing where it's like you know he's trying to redeem himself yet again well there's um, so much ma- made about how how luke has like gone off to another island and become a hermit and everybody gives them a hard time about that character in last jedi you know it's just like he throws his lightsaber away and it's just like luke would never do that look at han solo he pretty much when his son kind of has gone dark he kind of goes away. We don't really get into it, but he seems to have abandoned Leia totally. Mm-hmm. He's abandoned every hero, and he's off off on like smuggling missions, capturing alien beasts and stuff in the underworld with Chewie again. Kelly, what did you think of his performance in Force Awakens? Did you feel like it was... How did you feel about having him return in general? I think uh, his return in The Force Awakens was really good. And I wish that he hadn't also returned in The Rise of Skywalker. But that's a whole other can of annoyance. But I like the way that he represented melding the old and new. And the way that he returned to the role felt very natural. It didn't feel forced in the way that some of these things can. And our current sort of reboot revival era, just throwing a lot of older actors back into the roles that made them famous. It doesn't always work. Murphy Brown, Roseanne, it's just not always exactly what people imagine. But he both felt like an older version of Han Solo and like a little bit of a new character because there's years and years that we didn't see and people change. So I thought he did a really good job. I thought he really helped christen the new kids. Um, I think that movie wouldn't have worked without him. And I loved the the bit, the it's all real, the the force, everything. That's, that's such a good line, and that was a great moment in that film. Mm-hmm. So, of course, while Harrison Ford's doing Star Wars, he's also doing another big movie called Indiana Jones. He does Raiders of the Lost Ark right after Empire, and then right after Return of the Jedi, he does Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. 
And then not. <laughs> and then there's at least two good Indiana Jones. Movies. And then, of course, a few years after that, he does Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, much later. Boo. Let's let's. And let's, then five, which is going. Who knows what that's? Well, gonna be. let's. Will yeah. there be a CGI dog? Jesus Christ, CGI something. <laughs> so, you know, while he's already playing this one iconic character in sci-fi, now he's got another presumably iconic character in like action adventure. But and I I will argue that that he ha- he has a career because of Indiana Jones, not because of Star Wars. Really? Because I think if he had just done Star Wars, I think he really would have been pigeonholed. Is but this I more think, as like leading man because he was right, able to yeah, carry a film? Yeah, and I, but I think Indiana Jones proved that he could like he was a movie star. Yeah, like he could carry a movie by himself, and he could like there there is a lot of the every man, but you know there is a core character in Indiana Jones that is probably hard to pull off. Really hard to pull off in terms of nuances and everything. And I think that proved to Hollywood that, like, going forward, you could bank on him as an A-list star. Many people credit his role in American Graffiti as what set him up to end up working with all these really big directors and Star Wars and Indiana Jones and then Apocalypse Now. And, you know, so that's Lucas, Spielberg, Coppola, all... Little murderer's row, and I do think that he had the this incredible luck, which you know everything is connections and everything to get those those roles in really quick succession, and at a time when Hollywood was changing, but it was still it was a blockbuster game sort of now, and it was also a movie star game, so it was another sort of like him as Han. It was the right guy at the right moment in history, and I do think Brian is right that that indie was more of a film built on him as a movie star. It was big and it was actiony and it became its own pop cultural touchstone by itself for sure. But they haven't considered redoing indie without him. And they sort of did two Star Wars, a bunch of Star Wars movies without him. It's much more built on his his own personal legend than it is on the actual IP it's based on. Mm-hmm. Okay, Indiana Jones movie rankings. Is Raiders obviously the number one? Yeah. I mean, how are we doing it's the like rest? It's a perfect film. Raiders is great. Last Crusade is fun. Temple of Doom is racist. Crystal Skull is bad. <laughs> That's my official. <laughs> I mean, I would put Crystal Skull above above Temple of Doom. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I mean there's there's a far far crevice between Cru- Last Crusade and and Crystal, Crystal Skull. Skull. Not even Indiana Jones himself can clear that. Nope. <laughs> The only good thing about Crystal Skull is Kate Blanchett's haircut. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's an excellent movie villain haircut. So, of course, beyond those two roles, he obviously has had a pretty illustrious career beyond that. I mean, and there was, you know, I'd say there's a time period like right around late 80s, early 90s. I mean, he was like probably one of the top guys, if not the top guy. I mean, he was doing a lot of these big kind of military thriller type movies. And he just had he was top billing for quite a while. So if you had to pick a favorite non-Star Wars, non-indie Harrison Ford movie, what would you pick? Start with Kelly. Personal favorite, Air Force One. I saw that movie when I was a kid, and it was really fun. And sort of the idea that the president could be an action hero wasn't silly to me as a kid. It's a little silly now, looking at knowing more about the actual office of the presidency and the so far men who have held it. (laughs) Yeah, although Obama would be... Awesome action hero. I'm just, say, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Obama, Obama I would could watch do it. that. Obama. Nothing else, though. 
I don't. I certainly don't think it's his best role. Um, from an, an acting standpoint, it's a very, very silly movie. Um, but yeah, I love Air Force One. I'm picking The Fugitive just because that movie is incredible, and it's uh, Tommy Lee Jones is like the marshal, and it's. I mean, there's so many iconic. Every moments. outhouse, something house, <laughs> something house. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, he was so great in that movie, and just the premise of the movie was, at the time was really wild, and so many memorable scenes from it. So you're picking Fugitive too, Brian? I mean, I mean, I knew you would, so that, that, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't going to touch to. that. Yeah, I know. Um, I think Witness is up there just yeah. because. Yes. I mean, he that's what he got his Oscar. Uh, nomination his for only it. Oscar nomination yep. in a very long career. Right. Wait for his honorary Oscar within the next ten years. Oh yeah, it's, hap- it's happening. It's interesting because I mean it, it deals with neo noir and the Amish and it's a crime thriller and there's a lot kind of going on. Um, but I also like presumed innocent. It was weird. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like it came out in ninety, so I was like fourteen. I I remember seeing it as a teenager. I kind of liked it, and it was. It's not good. It's not like a good, great movie or anything, but it's kind of interesting. It, it was part of those legal thrillers that were just kind of like twisty and and probably would never work now because of all the the you know the Me Too stuff and everything. Because it was just it dealt with a lot of like weird sexual stuff. I thought it was interesting because he was playing like a lawyer who was accused of like killing like you know his you know his colleague and like possible love interest and stuff. And it's funny, too, all the talk of all the movies Harrison Ford has done, and we talk about sci-fi, we still haven't mentioned Blade Runner yet, which is another like classic sci-fi oh, Jesus, movie. how did we forget that? And it's kind of, it, but I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah. busy. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, yes. But that's, I mean... Blade Runner. Yes. Forget Probe Citizen. <laughs> how could I forget Blade Runner, for I'm, God's I'm sake. sticking with Air Force One. <laughs> but it's it's wild, though, when you look at his career and how from, like, probably the 80s, I mean, he was on an incredible run right. between Star Wars, Indie Blade Runner... Like stuff like The Fugitive, he had Patriot Games, he was all on the Air Force One. I mean, from like 80 to 90, probably early 90s, I mean, he had an incredible streak going of movies. Yeah, I mean, I think Jack Ryan is like the, it was like a small, like a mini franchise. It was like a weird franchise because it was like, it was Alec Baldwin and then him and then it was um, Ben Affleck for like one movie. That was like a weird franchise, but like, Mm -hmm. but like, oh Jesus, Blade Runner, yeah. You know, so much of that was the world, you know, that really Scott created and how cool it was. And there's robot, you know, there's replicants and humans and who was who. But again, what Harrison Ford brought to it was the grounding. You know, we cared about this world because we cared about him in it. That's a running theme in like his movies. It's just like we care about what is happening because we care about this dude. So uh, Kelly mentioned the Murderer's Row. I mean Ridley Scott too. It's kind of wild, like to see all the people he's worked with. It's it's pretty amazing. So we know now that he's got obviously a new Indiana Jones project coming up, right? Kelly, what would you want to see from this Indiana Jones film? A blank screen, no movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do I, not want him to touch Indiana Jones, basically. I mean, like whatever. I mean, Crystal Skull wasn't good, but maybe who knows? They could do something. Um, what do I want from it? Not Shia LaBeouf. Or maybe actually Shia LaBeouf's kind of having a comeback. Maybe Shia LaBeouf. Who knows? No, they ruined that. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what I want to see from Indiana Jones. Um, It's never been like my favorite franchise. I don't think it's jonesing for a comeback, to be really obnoxious with a pun. 
you know, I I don't want them. I don't want it to be bad. I don't want. You know what I don't want, actually, after having finally watched The Irishman over the weekend? I don't want if they're de-aging him or flashing back or doing anything. I don't want them to have him like when De Niro is supposed to be like 20 or 30 in The Irishman and he's supposed to be like curb stomping a guy, but he's barely lifting his leg because he's actually a 70 year old guy trying not to hurt himself. <laughs> let's just like, yeah, I don't think we need all the de-aging. And if we do need the de-aging, that's what stunt doubles are for. Just like don't make indie do those kind of stuff. I don't I don't see that happening. Just like chill. Just like chill out with it. I mean, yeah. it's still Sp- Spielberg. I think I, yeah. I feel like it's Spielberg doing it. I don't think he's going to like de-age him. I, it all depends on what Disney wants to do. I think I think they're seeing that Star Wars trickled. Might, yeah, or I think I think Star Wars isn't what it used to be. I and I don't think it's untenable, but I think it's going to be harder with that with that franchise to keep people interested, especially younger generation and to keep to keep going what what it's done before. I think with Indiana Jones, I don't think you keep Indiana Jones going, but I think you create some sort of spin-off character who becomes a Disney Plus icon or you know, you have something that like you start you don't you don't have him named Indiana Jones because I think I think people would riot, but I think I think you hand it off to a character like that and have them go adventures on the 80s and 90s. I think you, the, you it's a character you can reboot for this generation. Mm-hmm. Without having like bringing back, you know, Hitler, like they brought back Emperor Palpatine or something. You know, I, th- I think it's you just go back to the simplistic serials that George Lucas did, and you create something like out of out of whole cloth, kind of semi whole cloth, using any of the Indiana Jones mo- movies as a template. But like probably a grand, like a grandson or granddaughter. So like a literal passing of the torch, basically. Yes. Yes, or just end it. I mean, that's I, I'm cool with that too. I don't think they will, just because if there is any little scrap of cash that they can get out of an IP, they will they will keep that sucker going till it's dead. So I don't see them ending it. But that's the only way to to keep it going is to hand it off to another person. Maybe it's like Indiana Jones movie passing the torch, and then you get Indiana Jones the third Disney Plus no, series. They can't, they can't make it Indiana Jones, or I, just I, something totally like. Birthed from that. Ohio yeah. Jones. Or, yeah. <laughs> God, that would be terrible. <laughs> Illinois Jones. Wy- Wyoming Jones. <laughs> the third. The, the Dakota r- Jones in the Kingdom <laughs> of the Golden Chalice. There we go. Exactly. <laughs> they made Dora the Explorer the movie work, Exa- so why not? Well, well, did it work? Well, it wasn't that bad. There's <laughs> <laughs> so a parent who just wanted his children entertained for two hours. But you, look, but you look at Sonic. It worked, though. But you look at Sonic, where not a good film, but like ton of money gets made. Just because it tapped into like something people grew up with. We also have to not underestimate the fact that kids like bad movies sometimes. Really bad movies. Case in point, my kids watching the Emoji movie and loving it. And I'm like, yeah, you oh. sure? But Why anyway. did you let them? Yeah, I know. You're in charge. Parent malpractice. I'm sorry. Okay, one last question. Harrison Ford, is he finally going to get an Oscar? It'll be honorary. Yeah, I don't think he wins like an acting one. If he finally has gotten to the where he can be like a character, like a real character actor, I don't, he's never done it before. I don't know if he's ready yet because he's always like he does these big roles, but always goes away for a while and then comes back in like for Call of the Wild. If he actually like does good character work, 
in like a movie where he really is a supporting actor. Like Christopher Blummer. Like, in Beginners, 2010, yeah. where he came back and won an Oscar. Um, as a rather old man, which is kind of unusual because as much as people talk about how old the Academy is, they tend to like young, hot, up-and-coming people. They like the next generation. So it is hard to win when you get older because it has their own form of ageism, even from older voters. He'll win an Emmy for The Staircase, which I'm actually really looking forward to, which he's going to star in the a fictionalized adaptation of the documentary The Staircase about the guy who like totally didn't kill his wife and an owl totally did it. Um, if you guys have never heard of that documentary. Oh, it's good. It's on Netflix. Sounds like who? It's a it's a true crime doc. <laughs> Damn it, Brett. Damn you to hell. Had to be done. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, it's a very famous true crime documentary. This guy says that his wife fell down the stairs. She was, like, surprised by an owl. Who? All the... <laughs> this is very serious. Oh, no. Serious. Wow, that's crazy. So, but that's how he said the wife. Wow, man. Okay. Anyway, um, and then the cops think he did it. Anyway, Harrison Ford's going to be the guy in the fictionalized miniseries adaptation, which I am super looking forward to. And he'll win an Emmy for that. Wow. Emmy voters are way easier. Well, it definitely sounds interesting enough to want to watch it. So. How have you guys never heard of The Staircase? Um, okay, listeners, it's your turn. What's your favorite Harrison Ford film? Are you looking forward to more Indiana Jones? Or Dakota Williams, as I've now named. Yes. His heir. Dakota Williams. Dakota Williams. And the quest for the golden chalice. Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23. I'm at Brian Truitt. And I'm at Kalos. I'm sorry, I got distracted by the staircase. <laughs> I'm at Kalos. K L A W L S. Damn owls. Don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. That'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producers of the Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, you can leave us a rating or a review because it helps other people find the show and we get great feedback and it's awesome. If Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next week, nerds out. Later. Woo.